back to another episode of the Messy Reformation. My name is Jason Rice. I'm the lead pastor at Faith Community CRC in Beaver Dam, Wisconsin. My co-host is Willie Cronkey. He's a member at Pease CRC in Pease, Minnesota. We're just a couple of guys who love the Christian Reformed Church and want to see Reformation happen in our denomination. But whenever Reformation has happened throughout the history of the church, it has always been messy. So we're taking the opportunity to have conversations with pastors throughout the Christian Reformed Church to find out what's going on in our denomination, but also to talk about what Reformation might look like. We want to keep saying thanks to all of you who are faithfully listening each week and are faithfully sharing it. Our listenership continues to grow each week, and these conversations keep spreading throughout the CRC. So keep up the good work, and thank you. If you haven't already, take a moment, click subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming content. We are dropping episodes every single Monday. With all that said, we're going to get to this week's episode, which is part two of our conversation with Adam Isinga. Well, Adam, one of the things that we normally ask people are just kind of concerns about things that are going on in the CRC right now, besides mm-hmm. the, the positive things, but what are some of the concerns you have in the CRC? Uh, I, there's multiple hermeneutics at work. Like we just do not view scripture all the same way. And uh, yeah, that, that's, that, that's just going to have a host of issues. I, one of the reasons I was, happy to be involved with the confessional denomination was a sense of saying, okay, it would actually be binding for how we view scripture. It would be guardrails for, for avoiding multiple, multiple hermeneutics or at least minimizing that. And I don't think that's been the the case. Like what you're going to hear. Yeah. I I did what you hear in Inwood CRC should not be exactly what you hear in uh, choose a random CRC, but it, it should be within the same narrow path yeah. of, of what's taught. It should not be contradictory, um, and and that that seems to be happening more and more. I mean, I know in issues like penal substitution, um, I, yeah, I, I I I wanted. I expected better. I think when people put their names to to a document like the the Covenant of Office Bearers, they're, they're owning up to teach according to that, and that's I think been lost. So that would be one. Uh, I think that being said, we're in hyper congregationalism. We just are. Like when I think about my my, my elders and council, they're they're somewhat aware of wider denominational issues, but wisely so it's a sense of, well, 99% of our ministry is our own church. We want to be involved in classes and pay attention. We want to be aware of what's going on denominationally, but there's so many different streams within the CRC and so many different local options that it's just bred hyper-congregationalism. And I think that's that's a difficulty where I wind up often having more in common with friends who are in the EV free 
than friends who are than different pastors in the CRC. And I think that's, I think that's just the way it's gone. It, bodies like the the Gospel Coalition, though, those are just those are have becoming increasingly more important because this is happening all over denominations. People are finding like-minded allies that they, they agree with more in different bodies. Uh, another one would, and I mentioned this before, would just be, well, I don't know what does unite us. And I, I find that lamentable. And uh, I think it's seen in right now, all the big seats in the denomination are either waiting to be filled or people are holding on for a few years because it's difficult to find somebody new right now. And so I think that speaks to the fact of people being hesitant and understandably so to say, do I really want to put myself at the helm if I've got no idea if this thing's going to strip apart within the next few years? Yeah. Uh, I, they need to find, again, there needs to be a compelling vision for what will unite us because it's too large for personal relationships to unite us. Mm-hmm. It's And if it's not the confessions, I don't really know why people who want it to, or not even want it to, it just is confessional on paper, which is why I'm still part of it. Um, another one would be questions of authority, uh, not just about God's word, but also polity-wise, how does authority mm-hmm. work? Uh, I think situation, like the situation with, with Muland Avenue has brought up a question of, okay, is there any way to actually deal with this this matter? Like, mm-hmm. is, is there an authoritative body that can actually step in? And if not, how are we a denomination? If there's not an authoritative body that's able to, to step in here. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's a deep concern of mine. I, I think the responses to the human sexuality report, I find concerning to me, it seemed like a pretty straightforward, straightforward document in the sense of saying, okay, I, once I saw, I was at, Willie and I were at the Synod where they gave the, the preliminary report. And I, once I figured out that this is kind of the lens of how matters will be viewed, it seemed to make sense how the, the various different areas would be studied and explained. But just, yeah, I've just got concerns for how the denomination moves forward. Because if it's as bloody and painful as the, the 1995 decision you get Mm -hmm. families that aren't speaking to each other you get there's got to be a better way to to handle that so yeah those would be some concerns i've got yeah i and i've wondered and uh, not trying to be a fear monger but if this turns into such a yeah like you said a bloody battle like the the 95 Mm -hmm. decision um i wonder if our denomination is strong enough to even withstand such a battle mm-hmm. like that right now, right? Oh yeah, I, I think it's um, I think it's a matter of church is gen. It seems to me church is just not near as important as it was to people fifty years ago. There's there's, and so yeah, it it, it is. There's not and there's not the energy. There's not the appetite to 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 charge ahead and say okay, let's let's start something new. There, yeah, there there's people who talk about it and we'll see what what happens but yeah i think we mentioned just the state of the denomination is is not strong to begin with so something i 
I think about it in terms of, say, a bridge made out of toothpicks. Like some people's marriage, they've got themselves where it's, it's so weak, it's kind of like a bridge and it's made out of toothpicks. And then a large issue comes up in their marriage and it's like trying to drive a vehicle over a, a bridge made out of toothpicks and it just crumbles because mm. they just can't support it because they haven't been putting the time in and the energy in to keep their marriage strong. And so they can't support what, what what's driving over it right now. And, and I think denominationally, that's where we're at. And and I, I don't say I don't say I've got any easy answers for I don't envy the people who are denominationally higher ups. I, I did not envy Steve Timmermans. He seemed like a an honorable man who seemed to want local churches to do what they were what were called to do. I I, I give it up to anybody who'd want to take on a role like that. I I like to ask people and, and feel free to say you don't know, but I mean how do you think we got here? I always like to ask that question because, you know, we're here because of things we've done in the past and we don't want to mm-hmm. try to, you know, solve today's problems with the solutions that got us here. Right. Yeah. And so how, how do you think as a denomination, we got to this point? Um, I think that's a good question. One. And I think this is just natural. But not, not, but it needs to be fought against. But the various ways of, of interviewing and testing for offices has become pro forma. Um, like, for example, when I became a minister, I came in through EPMC because I was at Gordon Conwell. And so I was both interviewed by, the, by a board of, of Kelvin Seminary and also by the, a synodical body. And there was another one, and also by a classical body, which it both makes sense. But the way I've seen it function is the different bodies often seem to think somebody else will address the problems. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's in some ways a tragedy of the commons. Is if it's everybody's responsibility, it's nobody's responsibility. And so, therefore, there there's there's pastors who are are able to, to put their name to the covenant of office bearers that are not in line with what, what those documents clearly meant when written. Um, yeah. And so there's, there's that. I think that was, I think that's part of it. I think second, second, I do think it's so hard to recapture the sense that church does matter. And it, it, you got to mm-hmm. hammer that from the pulpit 10,000 different ways. But when young people get the sense that just in the water, that church doesn't really matter, they're not going to want to, to invest themselves in doing vocational ministry. Um, I was that way when my college roommate said he wanted to be a pastor. I was like, that's the stupidest job I could ever imagine anybody ever wanting. <laughs> and then it's a sense saying okay well why do i think different now i don't think different now because of the competencies and i do think a number of people are interested in this job because of the competencies of saying well i like being with people and i I like reading that that that's not really what it's uh it's it's about it's not saying i want to do this because it's a generalist job that hits a lot of buttons that that i like it's saying well no 
what does the, the Lord expect a minister to do? Do you want to be preaching God's word? Do you actually believe this changes people? Do you believe communicating God's word to people in private conversations that have to deal with what's going on in their lives will be beneficial? Do, do you think going aside from anything that God says is only going to end in sorrow and difficulty? Like that, that's really what, the, what the, the role is. And if we don't fundamentally believe that church actually matters, people aren't going to want to take on that, that, that office. Yeah, I think uh, a lot a lot of what you said echoes uh, one of the interviews we had early on um, with Derek Bukema. And uh, and I think um, I don't remember exactly how he said it, but or he said a waning passion for the gospel is what mm-hmm. he talked about. And, and I've always said that that one of the things that we've lost is an understanding of the power of the gospel to actually bring mm-hmm. transformation. Um, you, like we don't act. I don't think. I think many have lost the understanding that the gospel actually changes lives, which change families, which change communities, which change countries. And uh, it's the, at the core, it's the gospel. Oh yeah. I think that's spot on. I think that there is a sense of saying, okay, that there's almost been this sense of a strange guilt. Isn't the right, the right way to phrase it, but, I, I grew up the sense of, okay, I grew up within a Christian subculture. So therefore, by definition, I have something to offer the world. And if only I could spend time with the world, people would change almost by me just rubbing off on them. As mm-hmm. opposed to the say, well, you can't even change yourself. You, you, need, you need God's word. You need God's spirit to, to change you and to change these other people. What are you actually inviting them into? Yeah. And, and I think that that, that has been that has been lost. There's almost just this sense of if only the world really got to know us, that they'd really kind of like us. Mm-hmm. And the yeah. uh, <laughs> saying, no, no, we, we, we can't even be of help to the, to the world unless we ourselves are being transformed. And then all we can do is bring them to saying, this, this is actually what's changing me. I'm not all that great shakes. I, I really got just watching my marriage and just copying me isn't going to be helpful. Watching Christ in the church, that, that, that's going to be helpful. I got to keep pointing people there. Amen. Yeah. Amen. I, uh, it's funny, you know, there, there's always that, uh, saying, I forget who's credited with it. Uh, Francis of Assisi, right. Preach the gospel, Mm -hmm. use words if necessary. And, uh, and, depending on how you want to interpret that, you can understand. Yeah. You, 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 you know, the gospel, I always, I, I prefer to say the gospel comes out through your fingertips a little bit, right. Rather mm-hmm. than, um, but that's still not preaching the gospel that you, you have yep. to use words to preach a message. And so, but that comes out as you rub shoulders with people in the community, as you hang out with non-Christians, it mm-hmm. happens eventually. They, they will say, why, well, why aren't you doing that? Or why do you do this? And, and okay, why? And it keeps ha- and you have an opportunity to speak up in that moment, but you have to still speak. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's the sense of Peter, Peter talking about, okay, well, having a reason to, to for the hope that's within you. But the question we need to take ourselves back is statistically, okay, do we within the church actually have a hope within us? that manifests itself in, in any way that's different from the culture Amen. because if not are people going to be asking us these questions because of our lives aren't really all that different what 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 is going to be helpful and winsome about that 
so uh, yeah there's that's that that's at the root of it i think yeah it's 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 the reminder that every worship service is spiritual warfare that mm-hmm. Satan wants to take the take the seed that's sown that it's not the sense of everybody in the congregation is totally on board with with the lord but it's a reminder of the sense that okay this is actually where the seed is being tossed weekly and all sorts yeah. of things are happening with it uh, it's it's a reminder that different people have different seasons and it's going to surprise us as to who really steps up and wants to serve and has changed. And yeah, like we, we, before the, before the pandemic started, we have myself and an elder would stand up front and we would be inviting different people up for prayer for different concerns. And that, that was just a step out of the comfort zone for the church in a good way, but just a sense of saying, okay, we actually expect that, that you're going to need prayer for, for, for obeying. We, we expect you're actually going to need God's power in your life this week. And yeah, we do need to recapture that because, yeah, I don't know. I think we can easily wind up. And I mean, I can wind up this way too. Jesus works the Pharisees. If you kind of cross heaven and earth to, to find a convert and then you take, make them twice as much a son of hell as yourself. And that can easily be the case. If we just want to make people like us, that that's not what Jesus wants. He wants to make people like him. Amen. So. Yeah, I think, and that's the danger of uh, when churches focus more on being a big, a big church than a healthy church. Yep. Right. Um, oh, that's yeah. one of the things I've talked about. I'm in a church revitalization right now. And so it was a church that's been struggling for a long time. And so there's this kind of overwhelming need for them to grow to get bigger. We got to get bigger. We got to yep. get bigger. And, uh, and I keep trying to say, no, we need to be healthy. <laughs> yep. And if, oh, yeah. if we can be a healthy God honoring church, I, the fruit usually will come along with that as well. Mm-hmm. But, but we need to focus. You, if you skip the healthy part and try to just grow numbers, you, yeah, you, you cross heaven and earth, create a convert, make them a child of hell. Right. And it's, that's not yep. good. You bring them into an unhealthy church and create unhealthy disciples. And, and that's not a good thing. But if we can have a healthy discipling church, then and then we create more healthy disciples who create more healthy disciples. It's really making sure we're dealing with the root of the problem. Oh, and it, yeah, I was privileged years and years ago, Tom, probably the first three years I was at Worthington, we went to the Canons of Dort in the, the evening services. And just that just hammers home, just hammers home the inability to actually change anyone, anybody without the power of the spirit. And mm-hmm it was so helpful to, to be thinking about church in regards to that of saying, of starting to think in terms of side effects to obedience rather than goals of saying, I don't know what God's going to do with this obedience that we're trying to do as a church. Like we just did the art of marriage as a church. And some of the logic is to, to strengthen, strengthen the marriages that were in our church and our community. I mean, I got no idea what's going to happen in regards to people in the community we met and our church as a result of that. But if the main reason we did it was to grow our church, that 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 can't be the case. It's got to be saying, okay, this is a command. How do we equip people to keep commandments? How do we encourage them to keep commandments? How do we show them they can't do it without the power of God? And then change happens from there. Um, yeah. Yeah, I've... Uh... I've had that conversation with uh, people in the past 
Um, I've, I've heard people say we need to have um, a Sunday school in our church because churches with children's programs attract more people. Mm-hmm. And I always say, no, 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 no. You're looking at that completely backwards. We need to have children's ministry because God has called us to disciple our children in the way that yep. they should go. And yeah, that's attractive. But, but I said the motivation is, is a big deal. If you're doing children's ministry as a way of attracting other people, you will you'll walk away from the gospel real quick and easy. But if you're doing children's ministry because God has commanded you to disciple your children, then you're going to actually disciple your children. Um, and so that that core motivation of why we're doing what we're doing has everything to do with the fruit that comes out of it. Yeah, it, it's the question of his obedience outside in or is it inside out? I mean, mm-hmm. the spirit, I mean, just regeneration makes clear it's an inside out is you'll actually start to want to keep the commandments that, that they won't be burdensome, that they'll be a, a view of Psalm 119 of saying, oh, man, this is exactly what I've always wanted. That's the idea. Yeah, it's what well, we just studied. Um, we're doing Jeremiah in the evening and we're looking at very uh, we're looking at human sexuality and marriage in the morning. And we just in the evening. This last week, we looked at Jeremiah 10 of talking about what, what the Lord is due and a sense of, well, that's why we're here to, to worship. That's why we want the sanctuary full. It's not because it would be good for the, the, the church. It's not because it would just change the culture around us, though those might be helpful benefits. But the real logic is God says, this is what he deserves. And is this why we exist? If we exist for him, that, that's what we should want. But it is, it's so easy to, to settle for, for pragmatics as opposed to obedience, because obedience is foreign to our hearts. Yeah. And yeah, no, that's, that's a really good point. Uh, uh, I've often said at the end of the day, uh, the pragmatic approach will be the door out of the church, not the door into the church. Um, yeah. So I, I think, I think you're spot on there. Um, well, one, one final question that we kind of ask uh, toward the end of the interview and uh, you've you've had some time to prepare for this too. Is we ask, do you believe that the CRC is worth uh, saving or rescuing? And obviously, we're we're presupposing your answer is yes. But if not, why not? If yes, then how come? And uh, <laughs> how do you think transformation in this in this denomination is going to be brought about? Yeah, no, it's man. Yeah, I certainly think it it, it is because th- there's there's so much to offer. And the question of how, of course, is the, the the sticky one, and the way I tend to go with that is again putting ninety nine percent of my effort within the local church of saying this is actually where I can have an effect. This is where God has has placed me, and keeping the main thing the the main thing. Because the authority is supposed to originate from the council. This is actually where the action happens. Um, often what happens denominationally is positions are created and then they need to justify themselves by having something to do. And the sense of, okay, well, no, within the local church, we, we can do a whole lot of this ourselves. There's some stuff that we have to cooperate with, but people are always passionate about what's local. So thinking about renewal, I think it's going to have to be, it's going to wind up, there's going to have to, I guess, two prong. First would be the, the local, the local church. Second is, 
and a lot rests on different, not just synodical decisions, but synodical responses. Like to me, it seems, I, I think the human sexuality report's pretty obvious in the sense that it, it always has been a confessional status. I just mm-hmm. think that's hard to avoid. You, I was looking at, I was reading your sinuses commentary on the Heidelberg Catechism. I mean, he's clear on that in it. If you don't, if you don't hold to a authorial intent for what a document means, you, you've already, it, it's meaningless anyway. Um, so I, I think it's not just that vote, but it's the responses to that vote. I, I'm hopeful. And I mean, I've seen different pastors who disagree with the CRC, find a denomination that actually fits where they're at. My hope, frankly, is that people who, that churches and, and pastors who say, we do not agree with, we do not agree with what the confessions say on this would find themselves, uh, yeah, find themselves bodies that agree with what they agree with rather than trying to change the, the confessions try, rather than trying to change the, the denomination. I think that would be the, the, the most peaceful path forward if peace and harmony is really what is required of saying this is actually what you've signed on to. And if you're not willing to hold up to this, then you're actually excluding yourself yeah. from the denomination, which is confessionally bound. I think a lot of the question of how peaceful it is will will come down to that. Um, I, I do think better day again. It, I talk out of both sides of my mouth with this one because I still more I still see more difficult days ahead and better days ahead for the church. I've noticed there being a hunger within those who stay within the church who are younger for actually the the, the church to be the the church. It's easier. Like I've got a immense discipleship group. We're reading through Bonhoeffer right now. That, that's an easier sell to, to younger people than than older people. And that's not to disparage any number of the, the gifts that, that those who are older bring. But there is just, I think, with the, the younger generation, the sense of, okay, what is this going to look like for my kids? What is this going to look like? How, how do I get how do I get ready for, for what actually it's going to look like to, to be a Christian in a, a post-Christian culture? And so I, I think those who are committed are going to be really just really committed in the sense of saying, I, I want this. I want the church to be what the church is supposed to be. And that excites me about doing ministry. I don't think any pastor gets into ministry to say, you know what, I really want to make sure we're checking boxes. And I really want to make sure that I'm just keeping the organizational plate spinning. You get into it because you want to see God work. You get into it because you want to see the spirit actually change people. And I think we'll yeah, hopefully have an opportunity to see more of that because as you mentioned, a lot of the cultural benefits of being a Christian are going to reduce. So just mm-hmm. showing up is, isn't going to be all that, all that winsome to people anymore. Yeah. I, and I think just to build off of what you just said, uh, Willie and I have both been saying this for quite a while that our work in youth ministry, we have seen the, this kind of the same thing that you've been seeing. We've seen this kind of tremoring of hunger in, in the, this next generation coming up, I think they're beginning to see some of the just uh, falseness of our culture and they're realizing that there's no meaning or meat there. So they're hungry. They're looking for something. And that's really kind of the real beginnings of revival, right? As a culture beginning to hunger for something. And, and if we as a church can 
can give them what we know they're actually hungering for. We can, we can see revival. So I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful in that sense of revival. And yet um, anytime revival happens, um, it's also in the context of turmoil and, and mm-hmm. you're right there, there, there's always the kingdom of Satan waging war against the kingdom of God. Right. That's, I just got done preaching through the book of revelation and, uh, oh, and like that, that's the book of revelation. Yeah. Like, that the kingdom of God is marching forth triumphant, but the kingdom of Satan is pounding it mm-hmm. down on the other side. And, and they're both happening at the same time. It's not an either or thing. And so in the midst of revival, there's going to be turmoil and chaos and, and fighting, but, but that's why we're still the church militant as well. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and that's, that's, yeah, and that's spot on what it comes down to. Cause I, and I think People are savvy, but it's a sense of we intuitively know, or we intuitively have the sense of we kind of want to get as close as God as we close to God as we can without it really costing a whole lot. <laughs> and yep. the sense of like a, a church where there is revival, that there is those costs, and so it is that sense of needing to keep leaning in and saying, "No, I really do want this," because yeah, our own flesh doesn't. Our own flesh wants just enough of God to to be safe. And to be saved, but not enough of him to actually be changed in, in, in a ways that we don't want to. I remember Pete Scazzaro in his book, The Emotionally Healthy, Emotional has this healthy spirituality talking about that he, there was a situation where he would rather die than change. And that, that just by human nature is actually us. We'd rather die than change. Yeah. And so we really do need God's help to say, no, I, I do want to be in a church that's going to call me to change in ways that my toes are stepped on. And uh, I think that there's more hope of that in, yeah, in, in the future as, as the culture kind of spins out of control, because it's very easy to make the argument of saying, well, here's the alternative <laughs> to what we're trying to do as a church. This is not going to be helpful. That's all we have for this week. Stay tuned next week for our conversation with Aaron Vriesman. Until then, don't forget, this is Christ's church, and he bought it with his blood. And we've been warned that wolves will come in trying to destroy the flock. So keep a close watch on your life and on your doctrine. Preach the word in season and out of season. And keep fighting the good fight in this messy reformation. Reformation.